Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Cerebrum Capital, the podcast where we look deeper into our own human nature as well as our brains to give us more insight into ourselves as well as some of the problems that we face in everyday life. So today we're going to be looking at something that I think almost everybody has experienced at least once in their life, whether it be in person, online or anywhere. And it may not necessarily be something that comes to mind straight away, but it is definitely something that has become more and more prevalent in our lives as time has passed. And that is marketing, or more specifically, the more recent avenue of neuromarketing. So um, we all know marketing as simply something that companies or businesses often do in order to promote their products and services so that people buy, so that people buy and purchase these products to use in their everyday life. Neuromarketing is basically studying consumer behavior, studying people on the biological and psychological level when they're exposed to specific marketing and specific pieces of marketing that encourage them to buy specific products and services. So um, marketing in itself is a very interesting avenue where a neuromarketing essentially combines neuroscience, you know, all the things that happen in our brain when when we are exposed to certain forms of marketing. To better understand its intricacies and how marketing affects us. And more recently, it has opened up many specific areas of research and investigation into the specific um, areas of neuroscience on marketing, which is a very new and very upcoming uh, avenue of neuroscience. So, um, specifically, neuromarketing studies the actual reactions within the brain. So, it's measured and it's taken in by scientists, and we can see the actual effects and changes that marketing has on our brains. And um, as I said, it's a possible future avenue of study that perhaps you may be looking into after listening to this episode or doing a bit of research yourself. So, what are the tools of neuromarketing? Why, why is it done, and how is it measured, basically? So, neuromarketing can be used to improve the effectiveness of marketing. So, when we think about marketing, as I said, it is simply something that companies and businesses do to promote their products and services. But companies and businesses don't want to spend millions, if not uh, hundreds of thousands of millions on, on marketing. They want to be as efficient as possible with it and spend very little money, but also having the most amount of effect and encouraging as many consumers as possible to purchase their products. So we look at neuromarketing as essentially a way to understand more about marketing, but also a way to improve the quality of marketing that undergoes um, in companies and businesses. And we we use it to understand the cultural and uh, psychological differences in marketing in different regions of the world. We can, with neuromarketing and the study of marketing, we can inform ourselves and inform businesses more on consumer motivations and hence create more creative advertising, more creative product uh, product development and maximize profit margins as I said earlier by cutting costs down but also having marketing become more effective overall. So clearly with neuromarketing it opens up a very great spectrum for the future integration of marketing in businesses. So um, let's look at how we really measure the effect of marketing. When we, when I talk about marketing, for me personally, I know that it is a very broad spectrum topic, but more or less the technology that is used to measure marketing and the effects of marketing is the fMRI or functional magnetic resonance imaging system, and also an EEG, which are the primary observatory mechanisms for the effects of the environment and the effects of marketing pieces 
on the brain. So the fMRI, functional magnetic resonance imaging, is essentially um, something that is often found in hospitals actually. What it does is it tracks blood flow and the emotional response in the brain. And once this blood flow is tracked and, and sort of uh, imaged using the fMRI, the EEG reads the brain cell activity. And these two uh, components work hand in hand to track it and track the, um, the effects within the brain through blood flow within a few seconds. And although it only takes a few seconds, it can cost a lot. And that's one of the problems with neuro... Well, because it's such a new avenue of study. Neuromarketing is not as cost-effective as it can be just yet. So perhaps in the future, the tools of neuromarketing can be further developed by using better scale and uh, more cost-efficient software, where people are now looking into measuring the, neuro, the effects of neuromarketing and the effects of marketing by tracking eye movement, uh, reading facial expression, as well as um, some type of skin conductivity, basically observing all these effects in the body on a more superficial level so that we do not have to spend as much money to view the effects of marketing. Uh, just by observing factors like eye tracking and the reading of facial expressions, there's a lot we can learn about how marketing affects us, how efficient it is and, and how the differing qualities of marketing can cause a response. So yes, neuromarketing is very interesting, it has a great future ahead of it, however, um, Let's perhaps look at some of the uh, most preeminent neuromarketing studies and how they've been conducted in order to create this new up-and-coming um, avenue or new up-and-coming uh, industry. So um, I've been considering neuromarketing as a specific area of study. However, it is more an in-depth study of consumer behavior. So you could look at it as a region of economics and a region of, of business studies is essentially a more in-depth study of consumer behavior, or rather the behavior of everyday people and, and everyday lives. In the mid-2000s, researchers began to see the effects of advertising on the brain. Um, um, in the 2000s, different types of advertising began to creep up with the internet and other new avenues. So advertising be began to become more preeminent in people's lives. So it became, it became more important for researchers to see how this affects us and how it can become more efficient or even if advertising should be stopped and if it has any negative effects on the brain. So uh, one interesting example was essentially what researchers at Emory University did where they presented Coca-Cola and Pepsi to subjects in an fMRI machine. The fMRI machine is essentially what we discussed earlier which is something that we use to track blood flow and we can essentially see the effect of advertising on people. So the researchers presented uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi to the subjects without telling them what brand they were serving. So the drinks were placed in cups that were that did not have a, any sort of branding on it. And um, despite the drinks being two different um, brands, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, since the individuals that were presented with these drinks did not know what they were drinking, um, the fMRI, fMRI picked up a consistent neurological response, essentially meaning that if the consumers did not know that there was a difference in what they drink in what they were drinking, there was no um, change in their neurolog neurological response when they drank both the Coca-Cola and the Pepsi. The test was then repeated, but this time 
the individuals were informed that they were either drinking Coca-Cola or Pepsi, and almost immediately the change was very uh, was was eminent. Their limbic system, essentially the system that is responsible for emotions, memories, and the processing of information, displayed a sharp increase in activity. So almost immediately, their brains were aware about the uh, brands, and they showed that that the 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 reputation of these businesses and the reputation of Coca-Cola and Pepsi had more of an effect on the emotions and the things that they were feeling more so than the actual taste of the drink. Um, so this um, experiment soon became a very important and a very and a, essentially a turning point in understanding how advertising affects us, and this led to further studies with how. Uh, price affects taste rather than how advertising affects how people think. So, in the study with how price affects taste and how price affects how we um, interpret certain drinks and certain food in our head, people were presented with three samples of the same wine, but were told that each one was more ex- expensive than the one before. And as you might expect, there was a sharp increase in the limbic system. So, the more expensive wine that they drank. The limbic system displayed a greater preference, essentially meaning that people felt that if they were drinking more expensive wine, their brain immediately thought that it would taste better than the wine that they drank before. So we can see that the brain is highly manipulative. It's an interesting mechanism, and it it can be easily manipulated by advertising, by price, and all these social cues that we might associate with, um, which is, uh, for me personally, I find quite interesting. So, um, this avenue of neuromarketing is one that allows us to dive deeper into our brains. Our brains, which have been considered not necessarily something that is difficult to understand, but something that is that has many that has many uh, dimensions to it. It's a very interesting and a very multi multifaceted thing that requires a lot of information and a lot of um, research to be done around the brain to understand it deeper. And what we are beginning to learn through neuromarketing is that our brains are very uh, can be manipulated not easily but can be manipulated through a lot of means some of which is um, shown through advertising and marketing however there are some issues in the neuromarketing industry but simply because it is it has such a new industry so one of the foremost problems in the study of consumer behavior through the neuromarketing industry is the distrust in brain scan tech so the studies in neuromarketing essentially are slowed down because a lot of people don't trust the accuracy and the prevalence of a technology that is used to scan the effect of marketing in our brains. So a lot of people don't trust um, fMRI machines and EEGs. A lot of marketing firms are unlikely to use the fMRI and the EEG to monitor the effects of marketing simply because they don't trust it enough. This was shown in a survey, a survey of 64 marketing firms in which only a third, or around 31%, stated to use fMRI to, to, to view the effect that marketing had on their consumers. So when we look at this, we can see that there is a large gap and a large, um, yeah, a large gap in actionable data. There's not enough data and there's not enough information for us to process and learn more about how marketing affects our brains simply because there's a lack of trust in the effects and study of neurological effects of marketing. Because it is such a new industry, a lot of people don't trust the researchers and the effects of these uh, of the research that is going on in the industry. 
So um, there's a lot of scope for development in the industry and investments into neuromarketing studies and technology are still a gray area. But it is my belief that in the future, more and more people become in- interested in it, interested in it as, a, as an avenue of study and an, as an avenue to learn more about the brain. So I would like perhaps to leave you with this and it's just the idea that maybe neuromarketing is the right pathway for you. It is a new industry, a new up and coming industry with a lot of room for improvement, a lot of room for people to come in and bring in new innovations that can really spark spark change in the world through the study of our brains and through the study of advertising and maybe even change the whole scope of how companies operate in the future. Thank you for listening and do tune in to the next episode.